Hey everybody, this is Kurt Schlichter, unredacted with Kurt Schlichter, the Town Hall VIP, very, very special podcast. And I am here for you, just you and me for the next 30 or so minutes, just rapping, chatting, breaking down barriers, sharing our feelings openly and without restraint. Or me talking shit about stupid people, particularly liberals, but also the crowd of a hoy loser, never Trump sissies who, well, let's just say every day's a party for their pool boys. I'm not saying anything more. We're just going to let that hang out there awkwardly in the air and we're just going to continue on. But fortunately, um, I'm never short of material. I'm never, ever short of material on these unredacted shows because in the last 10 years or so, everything's gone nuts. Everything is a big news day. I don't remember the last calm day. No, I mean, there was one like a few weeks ago and I'm all like, what the hell? Nothing's happening today. Um, but as I record this, this is the Sunday before New Year's. This is the end of the 2010s. I, I It's weird. You know, <laughs> look ahead. And I, yeah, you know, I was born uh, December 24th, 1964. I just turned 55. And uh, I remember like in the 70s and 80s, I was like the 2000s, man, that's way out there. That's a long way off. You know, in like early uh, 80s, Prince is like, we're going to party like it's 1999. And then 1999 like happens. And it was 20 years ago. So this is like 20 years after Prince was partying in the future. And I'm just, it's so long that Prince is actually, he's dead. So it's, you know, time is a weird thing. Because I remember thinking I was like a little kid, I'm going to be 35 when the, or 36 when the, no, 35 when the millennium changes. That's weird. And, uh, that's way off in the future. And now it's like 20 years of the past. It's like all time is a circle. I'm like all Matthew McConaughey. All right. All right. All right. True detective, man. Time is a circle. I'm just like, whoa, actually, if this was true detective, I'm more Woody Harrelson. So we'll just kind of, I don't know what that means, but that's a thing and we're going to go with it. But yeah, and the, the 2010 decade is over and it's weird because this is a whole decade that I've kind of been back in conservative activism and uh, on Twitter because uh, I got back into conservative activism about the time of the Tea Party movement and I got brought in by Andrew Breitbart and it was uh, first quarter of uh, 2009. So that's like 11 years ago. And that's when I joined Big Hollywood, about the same time as my pal Larry O'Connor did. And, of course, Steven Cruiser, Tony Katz were coming up at that time. And I was meeting a lot of those people in Los Angeles. We were all in L.A. at the time. Actually, I'm the one of the four left in L.A. Um, and I got on Twitter, I think it was uh, December of 2008, because Hugh Hewitt was saying, Twitter, this thing's the thing of the future. I said, I get an account. But I didn't really start using it for a couple months. And uh, that's like when I was starred writer for Big Hollywood. And, you know, so practically for a practical reason, the whole decade I've been in conservative activism and the whole decade's been frankly kind of exhausting. And like I said, every day is a new news day. Everything is a giant thing every single day.
And, you know, in the past, where they're like, you know, you go like a week and there's like no big news event. In the news, things continue to occur, but none of them are really going to affect you. Is that, is that kind of how it was? I'm not, I don't even remember anymore. Uh, all I know is that this is kind of remarkable that we're, we're at this point. We're at 2020. Uh, by the time you're listening, it's very, you know, it'll be New Year's, New Year's Eve or whatever. And, you know, man, we'll be in 2020. We'll be in the third decade of this new century. That's, that's kind of weird. Do you feel different? I don't feel different. I feel like the same guy. Um, even physically. I mean, I get, I'm a little stiffer than I used to be. Uh, but, you know, I got back into working out. And I go to the gym with my trainer and stuff. And I'm feeling a lot better physically. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to feel like. A, B, and my age. B, being this time. And I I frankly don't really know. Um, and then I'm kind of also dealing with the fact that you know we're in this this moment where every day is high drama it's you know when i was a kid i didn't have a sense that our country and our culture were on thin ice i mean i i understood that there were arguments out there about policy but they didn't you know they didn't really seem to be so epic so apocalyptic, um, but now, you know, I've got real concerns about where we're going to be in 10 years. 10 years from now, are we going to be the same country? Are we going to be the same country we are today? I, mean, that's, that's, I think that's a fair question. And you get all the never talk, you don't want a civil war, you freaking sissies. Take a break from watching your wife with a pool boy and uh, go get some tea and calm your lame, silly, panty-wearing asses down. We, we've got some real legitimate questions about what is going to happen with our country in the face of people who simply disagree uh, violently, literally, at times, with our vision of a country where we are free and able to determine our future. They would prefer a country where we are not free and have no input in our future and simply exist to toil and obey and be the scapegoats for their myriad failures. And I'm not particularly down with that. I don't think you're particularly down with that. Hence my uh, catchphrase, which I'm actually turning into my tribal tat. I'm going to put, it's going to be my tramp stamp, buy guns and ammo buy guns and ammo because uh, as uh, my character Kelly Turnbull in my magnificent series of People's Republic books my novels uh, says no one has ever been too well armed or regretted having too much ammunition a simple fact is we're, we're at an apocalyptic moment because a lot of these people hate us and I, I think I, I I think they hated us before. Remember the 2000s, you know, you had Chimpy McHitler Bush, Halliburton guy, and yeah, the, the assassination porn and all the hatred poured on George Bush, who couldn't have been uh, more of a, a submissive gimp. And they hated him. So, you know, they're going to hate us no matter what. It's, to blame this all on Trump is just stupid because... They were going to do it anyway. I mean, Mitt Romney would have been Hitler if he hadn't been such a sap 
and had managed to get elected. The, the simple fact is we are, in the, as we enter this new decade, in a very, very weird place. And it's a very different place from kind of, I think, the way I grew up, certainly maybe the way you grew up. And if, you know, what, what if you, you know, what if you only became like an adult, like in 2008, 2009? What if you're born in like 1990, right? And the first time you really became aware of politics was, you know, the Obama time with the Tea Party and the populist revolts and then everything that's going on. You don't know anything but chaos, but a lot of us kind of know a time where there really wasn't. Uh, there were hints of it. There were rumblings. The Reagan era. Reagan really kind of broke the establishment a bit. He was a challenge to the establishment in the way that, uh, you know, Gerald Ford or even uh, Richard Nixon hadn't been. Although, And they hated Nixon, too. Good God, did they hate Nixon. But... This was a, you know, in the early 80s, it was kind of new in the visceral contempt that they showed Reagan. And that's never really changed. It just kind of got worse. It's the same with, you know, George H.W. Bush, who, you know, brave in battle, but a giant wimp at home. And then, you know, we had the Clinton time and stuff was going on and it was getting getting worrisome and then really you know the the conflict over george hw bush it got uglier and then obama came in he said i'm fundamentally transforming things and a lot of us said no i i don't want to be fundamentally transformed and that's kind of the environment i came into the new decade with it as as newly back in conservative activism so the last 10 years, you know, kind of tie this whole stream of consciousness up. This last whole 10 years has been really kind of a roller coaster of nonstop conflict and action as our politics have gotten more bitter. And I would argue that it's not a matter of provocation. It's a matter of defiance. A lot of us, the kind of conservative, populist, libertarian movement that I come out of, and you probably come out of if you're you know, paying good money to listen to me, um, we just said no. We refused to go along. We refused to go along with this fundamental transformation. I don't want to live in a different America. I kind of like the one we have, or at least the one we're supposed to have, and I don't want to change it, uh, especially in such a way as to give a bunch of hipster dildos uh, power over me and to disenfranchise myself. You know, like I said in my book, Militant Normals, uh, we built this country, uh, we feed, we fuel it, and we defend it, and it's ours, and fuck you. I'm not giving it up to you. You want it, come and take it. So the question is, what's going to happen over the next 10 years? Now, if you read my books, and you should read my books, People's Republic and Indian Country and Wildfire and the newest one, uh, Collapse, which, I mean, it's selling like hotcakes. It's really kind of amazing how many, how many of these books I'm selling on Amazon. Um, you know what, I, what, what, what could happen? I speculate the country splits in two. This is kind of the uh, uh, Jesse Kelly is also another noted proponent of the, uh-oh, we've got a problem. 
we may be falling apart, uh, you know, uh, faction. Now, I want to be really clear. I don't support that. What I support is America where we stick together and we live together and don't drive each other apart by respecting everybody else's rights. And we have federalism. And there'll be some states that are more liberal than others, some more conservative, uh, all of them observing the Constitution. That includes the Second Amendment, which is a thing, though Democrats don't think it should be. And you know, we, if we do that, will be fine. Of course, we can't do that because the left cannot allow us to live the way we want because the left's only purpose is to create power for leftists over others. Remember, leftism isn't a clear, uh, coherent ideology. It's a flexible system of short-term policies that it embraces in the search for power, the common denominator's power. That's why, you know, if you want to see vicious racism, look at leftists. They're the ones who are racist. And why? Well, are they the ones who are fighting against racism? No, no, they, they say they are, but when that stops being useful, they do a 180 and they start embracing racism. Uh, and the fact is, I, gosh, I remember I came home from the war, uh, Desert Storm. Uh, 91. I came to Los Angeles, went to Loyola Law School. And, uh, you know, I was that army guy. Everybody thought I was a little weird. I guess I was a little weird because I'd been in a, you know, a platoon fighting position a few months before. Uh, and I, you know, I wasn't like a frat boy or anything. I was a little older. I was 26, a veteran, you know, an officer. And I'd been through a war and I'm there in law school in Los Angeles. And I don't know why, but the liberals, I never heard, I never, ever heard a racist thing come out of the mouth of any of the very few students you might call conservative. What I, I but it was weird. The leftist students would sometimes come to me and they'd like, I guess they expected me to share their bizarre views of Jewish people or Hispanics or whatever. And they'd be like, yeah, well, you know, they're like this and that. And I'm like, uh. Why, why are you why are you telling me this? I don't need to hear this. Just stop. So, but the left, you know, is all the bad things it accuses us of being. And it cannot leave us alone. So, it may, you know, the logic of leftism may be to create a situation where they they'll actually drive our country apart. And, you know, I talk about that in the books. Uh, it's a warning now, some people who are stupid or liars or both uh, say my books are advocating this. Uh, Bill Crystal, that insufferable sissy, uh, ahoy, Bill. He uh, he called my books appalling. So, frankly, I can't think of a greater compliment than to have somebody like Bill Crystal hate my books. But you should love my books and you should go get my books because they're, they're a lot of fun. And sometime I'll, I'll, I'll talk about my process for writing the books because I got to write another one this year after I write the one I'm writing right now, which is a nonfiction book for Regnery. Um, uh, and I've got to write a whole bunch of it today. So as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to start writing up stuff. I write fast, man. I'll put I'll do five to seven thousand words in a day, and they're good words. I mean, it's like I I, I 
yeah, because here's the hint. I I can write first drafts that are like good drafts. I mean, obviously I have to be edited, but I can do it because I've been a writer for 35 years. You know, I started writing in the early 80s at UC San Diego, so I can I write fast. So that's a thing. Anyway, so I'm bringing this all back. Wow, we are ending a decade. We're ending another decade. Another decade of dogs barking in the background for some reason. Oh my gosh. What is wrong with those dogs? Hold on for a sec. Can someone shut those dogs up? Anyway, see, this is a beauty of live podcast. I could totally have like paused it and like left it in there. But I want you to get the real feel for the living hell that is my dogs. Because they, they're always barking. No, I love my dogs. Barky and bitey. Um, and they are very cute. But and and very loyal because they're defending me against the threats of uh, dogs being walked by or random elderly people shuffling along for exercise or, of course, infants and children. They've got to uh, protect me from that threat. Um, You know, occasionally there's a squirrel that's, you know, I got to I got to be rendered safe from that rodent peril. But uh, yeah, so. Anyway, so what else we got going on? What's in the news? <laughs> Look at that hack stand-up comment. Uh, so, uh, what's in the news? Anybody got some weed? Okay, that's my hack comic bit. I used to do stand-up early in the day. De- early, uh, two decades. Oh my gosh. Holy cow. It's like 15 years ago since I did my last actual stand-up comedy set. You know, I mean, I, I do speak now and I incorporate a lot. I actually incorporate a lot into jury trials, too. Um, but uh, no, man. Gosh, it was 2005. No, 2006. I think I did my last actual stand up, formal stand up thing. But before that, I was doing it a fair amount. And then I went off to Kosovo for 16 months. And that kind of kind of got in the way. But yeah, I. uh uh, I think uh, I think a lot of that affects how I write and certainly how I speak. And uh, of course, I can be hired for speaking gigs if uh, if you you wish to hear me speak. Actually, uh, actually, I have a lot of fun doing that. I did one audience in a major southern state recently, and I got up and they're just like, "Who? What the hell is this? Who's this Californian lunatic?" Won them over the standing ovation at the end, so that was pretty good. Um. I was pretty happy about that. So anyway, just kind of rambling along. And that's okay, because that's kind of the purpose of the podcast. Podcast is, uh, again, stream of consciousness. I come in with a plan, which I've completely tossed out the window. I had I had a little game plan of what we were going to talk about today, and that's, that's largely gone. Uh, I, I knew I wanted to start talking about the change of the decade and what that kind of meant. And now we've gone down all these other paths, and that's okay. Um, I don't want my podcast to be like other people's podcasts. I, I, I listen to a lot of like actually history podcasts, uh, particularly Roman history. So with Roman history, I mean, it's very easy. And I listen to like different guys. So I'm hearing the same stories in different ways, but it's easy because it's chronological. You start out with the Romans and they kicked out their kings and then you got the Republic and they got things got you know, Punic Wars and you got 
uh, Sulla and Marius, and then you have the Caesar and the fall of the Republic, and then you got Augustus, and then you got various emperors running downhill, and then there, you know, the Huns show up, and the Visigoths, and the Vandals, and all the rest. And then there's, you know, by about five, a little before five hundred, you don't have any Roman. You got a, you got a timeline, so you can, you can follow. Me, my podcast, not so much because I'm just going to talk about whatever I want to talk about. Because um, if you want to, you know, if you want coherence and clarity, you can go somewhere else. There's plenty of people who make sense out there. You don't need that from me, and you're not getting. Not getting it. So let's uh, let's talk a little about pop culture. I want to talk a little about pop culture. Oh my gosh! There's a dog. Hey, come here, dog. Come on. Come here. Come here. Oh my gosh! Live podcast, folks. It's, it's going to be about thirty seconds. So that dog starts scratching on the door, going, "Okay, you let me in. Now let me out." Anyway, let, let's talk a little about pop culture. Uh, about stuff I've been watching stuff over the year. A uh, couple things of interest. Uh, first, the uh, Sonny Bunch, who is uh, often on the Hugh Hewitt show, used to work, uh, I think he still writes for a Washington Post, um, as a movie critic. And he is now working for rebellermedia.com, which is kind of an outlaw movie website. Movies that are, I like to think of as kind of the Ramones of movies, you know, you know, right, the Ramones came along with these fast, good, fun songs that were short and just got to the point and rocked in the 70s. And they were kind of a counterpoint to these big, ponderous, you know, Bachman-Turner overdrive dinosaur rock stuff. And I, I and that's what these guys are doing. They're associated with Cinestate, which is making these little punchy, little tough, little movies that are fun and cool. They call themselves Rebel Cinema. I'm really excited about that because I got to tell you, I'm not excited by movies anymore. Look at that. Look at look at what's out. Right. What, what did we have this year? Let's see. We had Avengers Endgame, and I guess it was fine for what it was. I ended up seeing it twice because um, of kids. Uh, but yeah, and it was you know it was well done. But I mean. You know, it's kind of like, you know, Boston, not the, not the city, not the, not the one with a shipping out to Boston song, not the one with all these guys who are drunk named Sully. No, the, the, the band more than a feeling. And I like more than a feeling, but it's not, it, it, it's not energy. It's not punchy. It doesn't make it's just not, you know, sometimes you want it. But other time, and, and and it's well done, very well produced. But sometimes you want something else. So Avengers Endgame, very big, high budget, big A list stars. It's well written. It's competent. It's what I mean. Hollywood does this kind of movie very, very well. But I'm getting tired of this kind of movie, and I, and I think Star Wars was a little like that. I didn't hate the new Star Wars. I can't. It was a Skywalker Rising or some shit. I didn't hate it as much as I thought it would. I thought it was going to be Star Woke again, like the last one. And they're going to go, you know, be fighting the threat of climate change or some shit like that, you know, starring Greta as the, you know, Jedi Knight or something. How dare you? How dare you? If you strike me down, I will become more annoying than you could ever imagine. Uh, I didn't find it that terrible. It, it was just, but it was just big and ponderous and, 
I want I want tough, fun little movies, or just interesting movies, spare movies, ones that aren't bloated. You know, I keep thinking I, I want a movie like Dirty Harry. Remember Dirty Harry? Have you ever? I mean, not you know watched it lately. I remember it was like a staple on like the Sunday night at the movies back in like the seventies, and then the eighties they'd have it, but it's. It's a very spare and lean little movie. There's no CGI, no big effects. It's one guy, and he's he's playing chicken with this bad guy, and it's very tough. You know, people get punched, people get shot. Uh, they say things that you know they wouldn't say today. It's just a tough little movie. A lot of it handheld at night, very grainy kind of stuff. It doesn't look like any movie you've seen now. Everybody just remembers the the you know. I got five shots or six shots or only five and all the excitement I seem to have forgot. So you got to ask yourself, do you feel lucky? Now that's a great, those are great scenes, but that's just, you know, that's just part of a very tough spare lean movie. It's for adults. It's not, it's not a kid's movie though. A kid can watch. I watched it when I was a kid and I was like, "Whoa, that's awesome. But it's just, as an adult, you see different flavors and colors to it. Uh, different shades of the character it's just it's just a fantastic move it's just kind of my template for an outlaw movie because everybody hated it all the right people hated it uh, pauline kale who's very well known for saying in 1972 i don't understand how richard nixon could have been reelected. i don't know anyone who voted for him uh she actually called it a fascist film and it's like the opposite of a fascist film in fact it's it, it, it viciously skewers the kind of mindless uh, administrative state that you know actual fascists love instead it shows the primacy of the individual uh, fighting a corrupt system because the system's almost as bad as the you know killer because it empowers them at the expense of normal human beings anyway so dirty harry my template for this kind of rebel uh, cinema that Rebeller has and it's just what's like that today every once in a while you see something that's different you know like Sin Estate's Bone Tomahawk this, this you know horror western holy crap that comes right out of the blue um, there's one called Hostels which is another western which I didn't see coming that was just that wasn't this year that was the year before or two but it was just you know Everything else, though, it's, it's it doesn't it doesn't affect me. You know, I go see these movies. Yeah, I saw Spider Man close to home, and it was an adorable movie. It was it was light and fun, and it challenged nothing. Instead, it was you know all fan service, giving me everything I knew I wanted. It just gave it to me. There's nothing I expected. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there is. What's wrong is that that's all there is. Oh, and the new Godzilla, just, I didn't understand a word of that. What the hell was that? Oh, and the and the, and the person who caused all the problems got like, uh, you know, had a had repented at the end and everything was, everyone was like, oh, well, you've killed millions of people, but you know, it's cool because you're a good person at heart, deep down. It's just like, no, fuck. So I'm kind of looking, I'm looking for something new. 
and I'm still not seeing it. Oh, last night on cable, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's a tough little movie. That's a tough little movie. There's a lot of tough stuff. Funny stuff. Uh, it's uh, uh, sexy in a way that movies just aren't today. Uh, but, uh, I mean, Phoebe Cates, holy cow. But it, it had women in important and key roles, actually. You'd argue the stars. you argue it's really about them. But not as women. There's no girl power crap. No manipulation, no political agenda. It's just here's their lives, here's what they're doing uh, for good and bad. And they weren't perfect. And it's, it's, again, a tough little movie, Rebel Cinema. And uh, I want to see more of that. So that's why I'm at rebellermedia.com. Check that out. Uh, of course, you're at Town Hall Media, which is great. So anyway, what, what else? What else is in the news? Um, I'd say we still got impeachment. Nothing's happening there. How stupid is Nancy Pelosi? And I, it's not really a rhetorical question. I'm looking to quantify it. We need some sort of metric. Um, she's not as stupid as Swalwell, but who is? She's not AOC stupid, but she's pretty stupid. She's tactically inept. It's sort of a thought experiment. Here's a, Here it is. Anybody uh, heard a normal person talking about impeachment out in the real world? Since it began, I don't think I've heard anyone. I thought I heard someone say impeachment at a restaurant. And I looked over to their table. But I think he was either ordering peach pie or uh, walnuts. I One of the two. I, can't, I couldn't tell, but they were not talking about impeachment. Turned out nobody cares. So she's holding the impeachment. I guess, she, I guess she thinks she's going to manipulate uh, Mitch McConnell because that's totally going to happen with cocaine Mitch because he's he's super reasonable guy who uh, rolls over like uh, Mitt Romney at a televised debate all the time. That's a good plan. I, I just, I, I, man, I don't know what the hell, I don't know what the hell she's thinking. I don't even know if she's thinking. Is there a plan here or are they just kind of going, okay, what do we do next? Let's do a thing. What thing? I don't know. Why would we do it? How how should I know? I'm just going to, you know, continue on doing. Uh, uh, we're also seeing uh, attacks on people of faith. There was this horrible machete attack at a Hanukkah party at a rabbi's house in New York. Uh, there was, and details are still coming in, but a horrible shooting at a church. In Texas, apparently the parishioners turned around and plugged this son of a bitch. Uh, we don't have a lot of details, but I think, you know, in a lot of ways we're on our own. And as people of faith, we we do need to protect ourselves. And in, in New York, of course, you, you have a very circumscribed right to self-defense. Uh, in Texas, man... Uh, that piece of shit walked in, started shooting, and he immediately got shot. Uh, these Orthodox Jewish folks had to fight back with their hands against a guy with a machete. And, of course, all the liberals were, Trump's creating an environment of hate. No, you piece of shit liars. These attacks on religious folks are attacks on us. You have to understand, these are attacks that 
create an environment where we are meant to be intimidated. And in New York, the attacks on Jews are tolerated. There's, there's somebody who uh, you know, attacks some Jewish folks on the street, walks out no bail. Why is this? How is this okay? In what sense is this all right? And yet it happens. It's tolerated. because, it, And you can tell it's tolerated because it's not stopped. I don't think a bunch of Democrats are getting together going, let's send somebody out to those Orthodox Jews to get them because they vote for Donald Trump. I just don't think they care. I don't believe they care. And I believe that at some level, some leftists find it useful. Some leftists find it useful to physically threaten and intimidate their political enemies. Tolerating this is a choice. And it's a choice that in de Blasio's New York City, the mayor's making that choice. And it's, and, and you are t really on your own. Think about a whole country like this. Do you feel that your interests would be protected if the Democrats had uh, full power at the federal government level? Do you figure your rights would be protected? You think, you think they would defend your right to speak freely, defend your right to practice your religion, defend your right to defend yourself? Oh, come on. Are we joking here? Are you high? Are you smoking some of that good California stuff? No. None of that's going to happen. That's why 2020 is so critical. We have got to fight. We've got to organize and we've got to strike back and retake our country at the ballot box. That's what this thing in Virginia is about. You know, the Democrats get in, they pretend to be moderates. As soon as they get in, they start going, okay, now we're going to declare war on normal Virginians. Uh, and it's not just, we're going to take your guns and turn you into felons. It is, we're also going to change single family housing zoning uh, so we can re-engineer where you live so that it's not how you want it, but how we want it. They are at war with you. And they pretend to be moderates and stupid. Look, Virginia, you brought this shit on yourself, okay? 40% of you voted in the last election. Yeah, a lot of you guys, and you need to hear this, a lot of you guys didn't get off your freaking asses and go out and vote. You thought, oh, well, it's okay. They're just Democrats. It won't be a problem. It won't be a challenge to me. It's a challenge to you. All right. You've got to understand. These are not old school Democrats that were happy just to take a little power and a little graft and, and go on with life. These are ideological folks who want to disenfranchise you and take your money and your power for themselves, leaving you impoverished and disenfranchised. That is their goal. Ask them. They'll tell you. Get on social media. Be on social media like I am. They will tell you exactly what they want to do to you. None of it's good. Get woke. That's what the next 10 years is going to be about. Us getting woke or getting oppressed. So anyway, speaking of oppressed, I'm oppressed by the clock. Uh, that's going to conclude this unredacted with Kurt Schlichter for the last week of 
2019 going into 2020. 2020 is going to be an awesome year. Keep it right here and go on and get my books, People's Republic, Indian Country, Wildfire, and Collapse. They are magnificent. Again, Bill Crystal calls them appalling. You'll call them fantastic. I will talk to you guys next week on Unredacted with Coach Lincoln.